considering the other person's readiness for change. You can really draw on what I just said about the stages of change to think about, are they open at all to learning about a plant-based diet or healthier eating? Or do I definitely get the sense of this is not a topic they want to go to? You have more power over your health than what you've been told. This is the Healthy Lifestyle Solutions Podcast. I'm Maya Acosta, and I'm passionate about finding healthy lifestyle solutions to support optimal human health. If you're willing to go with me, together we can discover how simple lifestyle choices can help improve our quality of life and increase longevity in a big way. Let's get started. All right. Welcome back to another episode of the Healthy Lifestyle Solutions Podcast. I'm your host, Maya Acosta. Today, we are going to talk about how we can inspire change in our loved ones. So change referring to people that are almost ready to become vegan plant-based. And as a matter of fact, to talk about this topic, I have a psychologist with me, Dr. Angela Crawford. She's a licensed psychologist with over 23 years of experience providing psychotherapy to address anxiety, stress, trauma, and medical issues. She has long been interested in holistic approaches to heal mind, body, and spirit. She is certified as a master vegan lifestyle coach and educator through Main Street Vegan Academy and holds a certificate in plant-based nutrition from the T. Colin Campbell Center for Nutrition Studies at E. Cornell. Dr. Crawford is currently conducting research for a book on the transformational impact of a plant-powered vegan lifestyle for mind, body, spirit, wellness. She serves as a psychology advisor for WeDidIt.Health, an online platform where individuals can share the health benefits of a plant-based diet. She authored the ebook book, Seven Best Practices to Inspire Your Loved Ones to Go Plant-Based. She lives with her husband in Vestal, New York. Welcome, Angela. Hi. I'm so glad to be here. I've always thought about uh, how important it is to have a psychologist's perspective on all of this in terms of making a change. And so I'm happy that you're going to be here to talk about why people who are interested in becoming plant-based sometimes face obstacles. And then we'll learn about what we can do to help inspire that change. Um, first of all, I'd love to for you to kind of just... Um, kind of reiterate to our listeners what we did at dot health is because I have mentioned it on the podcast before, but since you you are very involved with the organization, I was hoping you can kind of go um, over it a little bit. Sure, that sounds great. Um, we did it dot health is an online scoreboard where people who have transitioned or are transitioning to a plant based diet can share the health benefits and emotional benefits and other benefits they've received from this lifestyle. And it just when you go to the we did it dot health website, you there's a one question survey that's very brief and easy to complete where you can share any benefits you've had. And there's also a place where if you want to share in more detail, a testimonial about, you know, health changes you've had, you can. And the hope is that over time, this scoreboard can inspire other people to see like, oh, you know, I have diabetes and look, there's all these people that are, you know, getting benefits from a plant-based diet. And it might inspire people to know real life examples of health changes. Over time, the platform will also have added content that people can draw on to learn more about the plant-based diet. It's in in the process of evolution. But right now, they're sharing resources through their e-newsletter. Once you complete the 
the survey, you receive an e-newsletter with resources, you know, supporting healthy living and plant-based eating. And, and that also includes the ebook that we'll talk some about today as a free gift. Thank you uh, for sharing that. And yes, as a matter of fact, I did. Uh, I chimed in as uh, Peter Goldstein likes to say, I chimed in and put in my two cents in terms of what eating this way has done for my life. And so you also have your own story of how you adopted a plant-based diet. Would you like to share that with us? You know, each of us have our own journey, you know, as to how we move towards this way of eating. And I, I want to like just share a little background before before I moved to plant-based eating, I was not a healthy eater for the most part. I ate a lot of comfort foods, um, a lot of microwave foods, a lot of candy, sweets, you know, processed foods. I didn't like to cook. Um, so, you know, although I exercised a fair amount, I didn't eat a lot of fruits and vegetables. And, you know, I started eating more fruits and vegetables just gradually, but then what happened for me was actually learning a little bit about how animal agriculture worked that actually opened my eyes to want to eat more plants. I saw a, a special on TV about um, people that worked in a meat processing plant, and many of them were immigrants. Many of them didn't feel like they had a lot of power in their work environment and had injuries and then still had to work even with the injuries because they were so financially vulnerable that they couldn't, you know, speak up and, and the work environment didn't support them. And so I learned about that. It just made me think more about how my food got to me and what was the process. And, you know, I guess the, the part of me that was compassionate. Um, at that time, I was working actually in a pain management program, working with injured workers. So I think that made me really think about, you know, what they were going through in a way that maybe other people might not have connected with. And then I started to think about just all aspects of it, what the treatment of animals was, what was actually going into my body. So I started reading everything I could. I, you know, at that time, that was 15 years ago, I went to the library and like read every book in the library. And so I really learned about the health benefits too. You know, I learned about Dean, Dr. Dean Ornish's work with reversing heart disease and Dr. Caldwell Esselstyn. I have a strong family history of heart disease in my family. And, you know, I started cooking. <laughs> the very next day after I saw that special, I went to um, Barnes and Noble. I bought my first plant-based vegetarian cookbook, made a, a vegetarian lasagna that night. I had to buy all these new pots and pans because I never cooked. And it was a, like, it was really a great experience. And I found that I loved to cook once I switched to plant-based, like so many doors opened for me. I tried new spices. I tried, you know, new ingredients that I'd never thought of before. And I just would start doing like a new recipe or two every week. And over time, you know, I gave up all meat entirely. A few years later, I started to give up dairy and eggs too. And I found like releasing the dairy from my life, actually my seasonal allergies that I thought I always would have went away. Some skin conditions that I sometimes struggled with went away. So, and here I am, you know, 15 years later in my mid fifties with really good health and um, a lot of energy, I, you know, and I feel good about the way I'm eating that it's kinder to both animals, the planet and my own health. So it like feels good on all levels. Best decision ever, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I would never go back, you know, like my food choices are so much more varied and interesting and nourishing and fulfilling than they ever had been. As a psychologist, you are now 
really working on understanding why people make the change in the first place and what issues become barriers or obstacles towards creating that change. And like I said, that's what we'll talk about specifically. Before we do that, can we sort of explain to our listeners, for people that may be new to this idea, what is the difference between veganism and plant-based lifestyle? Sure. So veganism at its core is is been defined as sort of an ethical position that people have where they want to avoid harm or exploitation to animals. And so many people that identify as vegan avoid buying anything that has animal products, both food and and also sometimes other items as well. Um, however, you know, a vegan diet, while it avoids animal products, um, it can vary, you know, depending on the person as to whether it's a healthier vegan diet or not. You know, there can be a lot of variability there because now, um, nowadays there are so many options um, for vegans of plant-based options, some of which are processed and not as healthy. I mean, I will say that from what I've read and understand, giving up meat and dairy, which is an inflammatory, can be beneficial regardless, but there still are very variations in how healthy a vegan lifestyle is as far as the diet part. Now, a plant-based diet is one that, especially a whole food plant-based diet, focuses on plant foods and ideally as minimally processed as possible. And, and that sort of way of eating has been associated with also a lot of health benefits, you know, getting a lot of antioxidants and fiber and lessening our sugar intake and processed food intake, as well as the meat and dairy is associated with greater health. So there's an overlap in a sense that they both avoid animal products. Um, but there are variations in terms of how healthy it is. The more whole plant foods and the less processed, the healthier usually it is. Thank you for explaining that. Speaking specifically about the plant-based diet, I was surprised to learn that there are even variations within that term, within that description. Uh, like you said, people can be uh, on a plant-based diet and 100% eliminate um, all animal products. And some people can be 90% plant-based and still have a little bit of fish and other, you know, things like that in their diet. So um, for us, for the sake of like what I typically talk about, I'm always emphasizing complete plant-based lifestyle style or diet, meaning, you know, not any amount of dairy or eggs um, in the diet for optimal health. However, we know that people um, cannot necessarily go 100% all the time. And we'll talk about the issues, the reasons why that happens. Um, do we know what percentage of people in terms of age groups and ethnic backgrounds tend to lean more towards making a decision for the environment as opposed to making a decision for their health or for the animals? I would love to know that number someday. There's a growing younger generation that are interested in plant-based and vegan eating, but their motivations are more often the environment and ethics, you know, because when we're younger, many of us haven't yet faced the health issues and that a lot of us that are, you know, kind of getting older, health 
might often be a more driving force, but that's not always the case. And it would be interesting to know those statistics, you know, of who chooses for what reasons. So we kind of lightly talked on why people decide to go uh, plant-based. Can we just kind of explain a little bit more what we mean by the environment? A lot of times when I talk about it, or I've had like Glenn Mercer on the show as well, and we talk about the environment, but if we don't talk specifically about what we mean by that, I don't know that people understand how we're impacting our planet. So there are a lot of reasons that people do consider going plant-based. Um And obviously one is health, which is, you know, certainly what we're going to be touching on more today um, in our conversation, all the ways that eating more plants helps both reverse or prevent certain diseases that are common in Western countries like heart disease, diabetes, certain forms of cancer, certain autoimmune diseases, and also just helps to have better fitness and overall health and energy, our body to thrive. So as people learn about those benefits and there's certainly more and more people choosing to eat more plant-based or fully plant-based for health reasons. But on top of that, you know, so the ethical reasons, you know, sort of as I was touching on with my experience with learning about the workers and then realizing like, gosh, if I'm not really liking how the workers are treated, what do I think about the whole thing with animals and how so many of us love love our dogs and cats, but, you know, we maybe don't get a second thought to other kinds of animals and the sort of experience that they might go through. So for some people, they they kind of awaken to realizing, you know, I, I care about cows and pigs and chickens too. And, you know, so they, they become plant-based or vegan for ethical reasons to, as an expression of compassion for all beings. And then for some people, there's the environment. We, we learn that animal agriculture, um, especially the way it's expanded into factory farming in the last, I don't know how many years, it has an increasingly toxic effect on our environment just for everything from, you know, use of land to use of water to um, greenhouse gases and, you know, cutting down rainforests to create more feed or grazing space for the animals that are, you know, grown for food. All of that just has a huge impact. And um, one book that I you know, found really helpful for me called Eat for the Planet, um, they they find from their statistics that if you eat a fully plant-based or vegan diet, you save 1,500 gallons of water, 45 pounds of grain, and 30 square feet of forest in a day for just eating that plant-based diet. So, just, you know, simply by what you're eating, eating plants lower on the food chain, you save all of that plus cut, you know, your carbon emissions possibly in half. That seems kind of distant, you know, so that's not always easy sometimes for us to take in, but it becomes an added reason, you know, to make a healthy change for yourself. <laughs> yes. And, and as we're experiencing more of the effects or uh, the consequences of climate change, I think more of us are waking up to the reality that some Something's going on and we're probably contributing to it. So Angela, I love your guide. Um, I'm so glad that you put this together and that we'll talk about how we can inspire change. So uh, what are some of the common concerns that people have in general when it comes to making a change? You know, first of all, when you're thinking of healthy lifestyle change in general, whether it's our own change process or someone we love that we want to encourage, there are 
just first of all, general stages of change that we all may go through. So just starting with that in general, just any healthy lifestyle change, whether it's eating healthier, eating more plants, exercising, quitting smoking, you know, any of those things. There's um, a model called the stages of change model by um, Dr. Prochaska and Di Clemente. And basically they found that people tend to go through stages of change before they engage or fully succeed in a lifestyle change. And so those stages are pre-contemplation, contemplation, and I'll explain what each of them are in a moment, preparation, or sometimes it's called determination, and then action and maintenance. And so basically, you know, pre-contemplation is when we don't even, we're not even really thinking about change or really open to change. So, you know, for someone who is a smoker, for example, they may be just fine that they're smoking. They're not even really considering quitting. Um, But contemplation is when suddenly maybe something's happened that's made us start to think about change. And so we are contemplating it. We are probably ambivalent going back and forth between the pros and cons at this stage. And like, yes, maybe I want to, and then, you know, but this is so much more comfortable just to continue the way I am. And and so there, we can be in that for a long time. And sometimes people get stuck in kind of a chronic contemplation where they're going back and forth and waiting for some certainty which doesn't happen. Sometimes we just have to take the next step, you know? Um, And so sometimes something will happen that, that pushes us along, maybe a life, a health issue or something we read or something we hear on a news program or documentary um, that pushes us into preparation where now we're ready to commit to a change. We start to prepare our environment and our life for it. So if it's going more plant-based, it would be, you know, maybe reading like I did when I went out and bought that cookbook, you know, and I started to buy the pots and pans and, um, you know, tried my first recipe And then action is where, you know, we are taking that actual action. And I think it's really important to then add in maintenance because I think a lot of us think once we take an action, oh, we're there, we got it, you know, but really like change happens as a process and we need to set up our environment, our support system by, by the things we need, prepare and plan on an ongoing basis, learn how to cope with setbacks and, you know, things that would get in the way, how to handle you know, like, for example, when I became um, vegan, like learning how I'd handle social situations, how would I handle a dinner at a friend's house or, you know, a social gathering where it might not be plant-based foods. So having a plan for that. So maintenance ends up being really important. And then adding in that relapse is often considered actually a part of the change process because most people do kind of have setbacks multiple times before they're successful in maintaining a change. So, you know, just realizing, okay, um, if I have a setback, it's an opportunity to learn it. I don't have to interpret it as a failure. I can, you know, see what went wrong here and um, how do I keep moving forward towards my goal? So just knowing that can help both our own change process as well as helping a loved one because if they're in pre-contemplation and we're trying to push them to make a change they're not ready to make, it's rarely going to be successful. You know, probably we're better off figuring out how can we be open to like 
opportunities to invite them into readiness to start to contemplate even that this could be of help to them. And then they, you know, moving gradually through the stages. So what would you say to us, um, the people who have already presented the documentary, presented the recipes, held that person's hand and the change has never happened? Yes. Well, first of all, I can relate. <laughs> so, and you know, I think there's a couple of levels here. One is just how hard change itself can be for people. That can be any change. So first, just honoring change is not always easy. As a psychologist working in this field for many years, I know there's some clients that have really made a lot of change from my work with them, and we're not necessarily working on changing diet, but many things. And just the change process in general often is slower than we'd like, you know, for some people. And so realizing they may be in that pre-contemplation contemplation place and we can't make someone move where they're not ready to move, you know? Um, so that's one thing I guess I'd keep in mind is it is their own journey and we can provide support and encouragement, but, and resources, but it, it is based on their readiness and interest and openness. And, and then I would also say that this particular change of encouraging people to eat more plants and or a plant-exclusive whole, whole food plant-based diet, because it's not yet embraced by, you know, generalized society and, and even many medical professionals have not fully read the research or, you know, really embrace this way of eating, people get mixed messages from the media, from their doctors, from society. So just realizing, you know, there's a lot of information out there that confuses people. And so it's hard for them sometimes to hear our message that like, you know, eating a plant-based diet is so transformative and there's so much research backing it. And then we'll add in like our own personal sort of addictions and, and things that are comforts to us. We grow up with these foods and often they're part of our upbringing. And, 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 and also there are many of these comfort foods have been designed to sort of addict us by having lots of salt, sugar, and fat. So we were never meant, you know, to eat that much of it, but now it's so readily available, you know, it can really make us addicted psychologically and physically to eating that way. So there's all these different factors that play into why it can be hard for people. So now you have given us some steps on how we can inspire change. Let's talk about those. Okay, great. So in the ebook that is a complimentary gift, for, you know, when you go to wedidit.health, um, there's seven best practices for inspiring our loved ones. And so I'll go through those. Um, the first one, you know, is something that we just were talking about, which is considering the other person's readiness for change. So you can really draw on what I just said about the stages of change to kind of think about, are they open at all to learning about a plant-based diet or healthier eating? Or do I definitely get the sense of like, this is not a topic they want to go to. If they are somewhat receptive, you're going to have better luck with offering tools and information and, and resources. Um, so if they aren't at all receptive, 
you know, sometimes one of the tips that we'll get into is, you know, being a positive role model, that might be your best bet sometimes. And so sort of what you described, you know, of just you, you know, being positive and not only talking about food, you know, just being a supportive, but vibrant and healthy person in their life. You never know when something might shift that then they might reach out for support on how to change their lifestyle. But if we're pressuring them when they're not open, you know, just think about any of us. If someone pressures us, we get defensive. Um, and also, you know, when someone acts like they have all the answers for someone else, it creates this experience sort of of shame or not feeling good enough for people. So we tend to push back against that. So if we're doing that to the other person by like, I have all the answers here, if you do this, you know, and, and we may be right, but um, <laughs> if someone's not in a place to receive that, it can come off as pushy and make them push back. So, so first just being aware of where they're at in their own change process. Um, and if they're more open, then you might think about some of the other steps here. Um, step two, which is, tailoring your message to their deepest concerns. So if they have some receptivity and you want to talk to them about eating plant-based, really think about like, well, where are their interests and concerns rather than like, you know, I'm doing it. You can share your story about why you're doing it and how it's helped you. And that's beneficial, but then you want to be aware of like what interests them, you know, if they have health issues, maybe you're going to share specific articles that relate to their health concern. Um, if they're a person that is really into the environment, you might share, you know, a documentary or a resource that relates to that. So, so just kind of being aware of like what really might speak to them. Um, and then the third one is being aware of the barriers to change, you know, and how you might support them. If, if they are somewhat receptive, but they're still not maybe making that change, you might look at like, how can I support them? And again, this isn't rushing in to do too much if they're not open to it. But if they are saying, you know, like, I don't know what I'd eat, you know, you could say something along the lines, could I be a thought partner with you to kind of sort out some options? Would you be open to that? And by asking permission first, you're not putting a whole lot of energy doing and doing for someone when they may not be in a place to really draw on it. Um, but if they're open, then you can see like, you know, maybe we go to a cooking class together. Maybe we I, you know, do a recipe and try something out together that replicates something that they like, that, but a healthier version of it, you know? So, so really seeing how can you support them with their barriers to change. Um, the fourth one I have, the fourth um, practice is show, don't just tell. And this one is probably the one that we're going to do the most because often it's being the role model it's how we're living our life and being positive and vibrant and healthy, you know, that is going to inspire people to kind of be more intrigued about well, what are they doing that's helping them be healthy? You know, when so many people are dealing with health concerns, you know, what's helping them and, you know, kind of being aware of your own self-care as part of this. If you're not taking care of you, it's, you know, it's going to be harder for you to be an example for others. So really, you know, living this lifestyle in a way that you feel good about, making sure you have supports on your journey, um, share delicious food so people get a sense of like, wow, this is really good. This is, you know, that's part of what opened me up to eating plant-based before I saw that program 
that helped me decide to go plant-based. I had eaten at a retreat center that had vegetarian and plant-based and food, and it was like delicious. So it made me realize, oh, well, this is a possible thing, you know, like I could do this maybe. Um, so, and then I have the remaining practices are sharing compelling documentaries. Often documentaries say things that just can't be captured any other way. There are so many people that a documentary, whether it's What the Health, Forks Over Knives, The Game Changers, Cowspiracy, that have been transformative, that's opened our mind to new information and and just kind of touched our heart level as well as our head level of why change could be possible and why it's positive. Um, so often just by, you know, while you can't always push a documentary on someone, sometimes that is the thing that will speak to them. And then supporting the other person with positive messages and encouragement. Um, you know, sometimes we're, we tend to be critical. You know, we tend to tell people what they're doing wrong or why what they're doing is going to hurt them. And, and sometimes that's helpful to share, but often people do respond better to encouragement. So again, if they are open to change and they're starting to eat healthier, even if it's not perfect, supporting and encouraging anything that's in the direction of greater health and really being aware of how you communicate. Um, one of the things I think about with this encouragement and how to support them in a positive way is one being an ally, not an adversary. So what is my intention here? Start with your heart, communicate in a way that is aware of like, what do you want for the conversation and how do you communicate in a way that actually supports that? Like maybe it's just for us to understand each other better. Maybe it's for us to have at least an open conversation where each of us feels supported um, maybe I need to just ask them to be an ally on my health journey, you know, if they're not yet ready to change so that at least they're supporting me and, and not undermining my journey. And that often will help them learn more about it in a positive way without being pressured. And then the last one I would add is being patient and keeping the faith. And that's the seventh practice. And it's just remembering that change is a journey that most of us had many seeds planted over time before we made our change. We may have had setbacks and just knowing that it, you know, for other people, you just never know what your encouragement might do and it might not change lead to their change immediately, but maybe it's something that kind of plants a seed and then other seeds are planted and then they may come back to you and surprise you that, you know, they're wanting to eat healthier or try new things. Um, so, and I would just add on that one, stay connected to your own reasons for this. Stay connected to your own vision for like a healthier world where more people are not suffering from disease, where we're eating in ways that nourish our mind, body, and spirit, and um, which would lead to more positivity in general. Those are wonderful practices to keep in mind, especially the continuing to offer support, being a positive role model. Respect other people's journey, I think, is one thing that uh, I think is very key. We have to kind of step back, be patient, remember that it's their lives. <laughs> the people, you know, they have a choice to make uh, on their own. I admire people who are married to individuals who have not made the change because that is absolutely difficult having to cook for two people. Yes. Yes. And, um, I had a guest on once who, uh, she came on twice and the second time her husband had already made the change, but I want to say that it took about, 
I don't remember if it was seven or nine years. Wow. Uh, yes. And she kept such a beautiful perspective on it. Um, the second time she came on, it was all about he's on board <laughs> and you never know. You just never know. But the pandemic going through this time is what really helped because I think it raised awareness for a lot of people of the consequences when we don't take care of ourselves that we become more vulnerable to viruses and infections and illnesses. Yeah. Yeah. Like that great study in the British Journal of Medicine about eating a plant-based diet was associated with 73% lower risk of moderate to severe COVID outcomes. That's huge. 73% lower risk of that. So you may still get sick, but it may be that your the outcome is much better. Right. Um, in your guide, you talk about some of those concerns can be related to nutrition itself. So sometimes people may wonder, where do you get your protein, which we hear, you know, that's a common question. I wonder if you could just lightly touch on these two things that can, could all also contribute to the concerns that people have. One of them we hear a lot of, which is the cost of going plant-based. And then the other one that could also kind of persuade people away from this way of living is when a physician discourages it because the physician is not necessarily informed. Um, would you like to say any of uh, anything about those two? Yeah. Yeah. So first of all, you know, in the ebook, there is a section about you know, communicating about these common concerns. And and before getting into the specifics of the things you just mentioned, I will say um, one thing I mentioned in the ebook is when people bring these things up and you're responding, first, just being aware that um, if they're just trying to have an argument, you know, and not really open to feedback, just being aware of that and not feeling like you have to exhaust yourself trying to give information and, and sharing more in, in terms of like I messages and validating their concerns is helpful. Like I know when I first became plant-based, like I think I would get impatient with people sometimes like now I got it. Why don't you get it? You know? And I think I've learned over time that, you know, well, I didn't get it right away about some of these issues. It took me a lot of years and research and, and just kind of a whole process to really fully understand some of these issues. So I can learn to be patient as other people are on their journey of trying to sort these things out. So with that as a background, as you're thinking about these things, so one, you mentioned, you mentioned cost and, you know, first of all, it really depends on how we're eating plant-based. Um, if, if we're eating a lot of like, um, pre-made, prepared foods, you know, those can add up, you know, whether you're buying them plant-based vegan or or not, you know, all those prepared foods can really add up. So just kind of knowing that, but if you're eating basic whole food diet, a lot of that is very affordable. If you're eating things like rice and quinoa and beans and greens and fruits in season as much as possible, um, frozen fruits, even because they're usually frozen at the point of fresh, you know, greatest freshness, um, all of those things are super nutritious, but not super expensive. So just realizing, you know, it can be affordable and, you know, one, there are different websites that have to do with that, like plant-based on a budget. Um, I know she specializes in how to help people cook plant-based in a very affordable way. So knowing there's so many resources out there to make it affordable 
And, and yes, there are challenges because there are food deserts and, and things that can make it hard for people to have access to healthy food. That's for sure too. But in general, if you're eating more whole f- foods, th- that can be very affordable. Um, I think the other thing you mentioned was about um, physicians and, and physicians that might not uh, promote a plant-based diet or have that background. That's challenging. Um, you know, sometimes I have clients who have health issues and I want them to be aware of the plant-based option. Um, and I'll just direct them to resource, resources by MDs who are plant-based, you know, whether it be Dr. Neil Barnard's work or um, Dr. Esselstyn or Dr. Ornish, um, Dr. Greger. I just try to direct them towards resources where they could maybe find out enough information that makes them intrigued and then they could share that with their doctor. Um, sometimes we might even look into like finding a doctor that is more of a lifestyle medicine practitioner, if that's available in our area, or even, you know, I know you've had some people that do telemedicine in that area. So just kind of knowing there are resources out there. I, I do want to add too about the other things you mentioned, you know, like the carbs, I find that always so frustrating when people talk about their carbs, you know, I think that is something that's been kind of promoted by sort of like, I I would say the meat industry that wants to kind of view carbs as all negative and like carbohydrates are a macronutrient, just like protein and, and fat are, and we, we need all three of them, but there are healthier versions of each one, you know? And so just realizing, okay, if I'm eating a lot of really processed carbohydrates, you know, like processed flours and sugars and things like that. Yeah, that's probably not really healthy. But if I'm eating an apple, I'm eating celery, salads, beans, greens, all of these things are do have carbohydrates in them, but they're really, really healthy and nourishing. They're attached to fiber and micronutrients. And, you know, so just kind of being aware of that. Also, I want to mention that as uh, we're wrapping up here is that you are also working on some research. And again, it depends on when this episode comes out, uh, whether people can participate. But would you like to tell us about the research that you're doing associated with a plant-powered vegan lifestyle and the mind-body-spirit wellness? Sure. One thing that really intrigues me as a psychologist is how what we eat affects our mental health, our emotional well-being, and even our spiritual well-being. So the research that I'm doing is I have a survey um, that asks about it's for people who are eating a vegan plant exclusive diet. Um, and they, it can be for any reason, whether they chose it for ethical reasons, health reasons, environmental reasons. And the survey asks about the benefits or life changes they've had as a result of eating this way. And then also some of the challenges they might face, whether it be socially dealing with social situations where you're the only one eating that way. Um, and also emotionally, sometimes, you know, as we learn the different things about the health and other benefits of eating plant-based, we can feel different emotions that we're frustrated. We didn't know these things sooner. And um, maybe we or others suffered unnecessarily. So I ask about their emotional challenges with changing their lifestyle too, and how they dealt with that. And then I'm doing some follow-up interviews with a select group of the people that have done the survey. And my goal with this is in the book to convey 
you know, the, the changes in mind, body, spirit that people experience as they're eating in ways that nourish their body and are aligned with like deeper values that they hold. And there's both the nutritional benefit of eating in ways that give our body all the nutrients it needs. Um, and then there's kind of psychological benefits of living aligned with our deepest values and, you know, whether that be caring deeply for our own health, whether that be choosing to live as lightly on the earth as we're able to, um, all those things, there's amazing shifts that people are reporting. And, and, and I think a lot of people in my survey and research so far have reported like they feel more of an interconnectedness with all of nature, you know, that just like as they eat in this healthy way, they feel more connected to all life. And I think there's a growing move towards just greater compassion for all as well for people that eat this way, like animals, other humans, their own self. So, so it's, I'm ex excited to see what comes from it. The survey will probably be open for, you know, till mid-March. So that may not be open anymore at that point, but I'm definitely open to people reaching out to me if they're interested about the research, because I'll still be collecting some data for a while before I fully get into the writing. So. Well, that's wonderful. Well, um, so for our listeners who might be interested in either participating in the survey, again, depends on when we come out, uh, this episode comes out, or obtaining your guide, Seven Best Practices for Inspiring Change, what is the best way to contact you? Sure. So um, in terms of just contacting me about my research and just, you know, I write a blog about thriving emotionally, socially, and spiritually with the plant-powered vegan lifestyle. So for any of that, my website site, which is www.angelacrawfordphd, one word, dot com. Um, so that's how you can contact me. And then for the ebook, um, with, that's part of the we did it dot health. So www.wedidit, one word, dot health. And um, that's where you can have access to the, to the ebook. And also we do have ongoing um, presentations and Facebook live shows and things like that, that elaborate on some of the concepts and bring on other guests and that are, you know, kind of working through these things with other people, like they, you know, different um, lifestyle coaches and other professionals that can lend their expertise as well. So we invite you to join in this community because it is a plant-based community and supporting people towards greater health and well-being. We definitely want you to chime in. Let us know if you've adopted a plant-based lifestyle and how that has impacted your health. It's been great chatting with you today, Angela. I really appreciate where you're doing and that you're able to share this information with my listeners. So thank you so much. Thanks for inviting me. I've loved being here. Thank you. Thanks. You've been listening to the Healthy Lifestyle Solutions Podcast with your host, Maya Acosta. If you've enjoyed this podcast, do us a favor and share with one friend who can benefit from this episode. Feel free to leave us an honest review on Apple Podcasts. That helps us to spread our message. Thanks for listening.